I hope you really believe that song, that it's good, good to be alive right about now. We've been talking about our hallelujah, and as we think about our hallelujah in the context of this series, we've been talking about living under the sun, that's on planet earth, that's in this chapter of life, and living well under the sun with the risen sun. And that's possible because of Christ, that he gave his life for us so that we can have a relationship with God, a connection with God. And so when we talk about our hallelujah, that's what we're focusing in on. And when we think about an hallelujah, we wonder what that really means to us. And we continue to try to drill down into that. If you want to uh, go a little farther with this, and if you're just joining us this morning, uh, all of these sermons, messages are online, available. You can also pick up a CD at guest services. But again, it's very important to us that wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're discovering that the rock-solid alleluia in your life can be living well under the sun with the risen sun. And uh, if that's unfamiliar terminology to you, if you're trying to figure that out, uh, we have some uh, information. You can talk with one of us after the service, or you can stop off at three areas, but uh, you can find a little pamphlet that's called Knowing God Personally. It just walks you through what it means to know God personally. We'd love to come alongside you, but maybe you're at that place. You also can find that online and uh, walk through that. It's 20 little clicks, and it just walks you through that. Also, there's a little booklet called How Good Is, How good, is good Enough, and uh, that, again, just walks you through that. It's about 70 pages. You can probably read it in about an hour, an hour and a half, and again, these are all available in three locations if you want to pick those up. Also, you notice a little box there for depositing your Connect card uh, if you didn't get a chance to do that. Again, we're, we're looking at this idea of hallelujah, we're looking at this idea of knowing Christ, how that plays into your life, and, and the question really is, is how does that work? How do we hold on to that? This morning when I was thinking about this, digesting it just a little farther, I realized that, wow, I've been a Christ follower for almost 50 years. You are wicked old, Dave. 50 years! Grew up in a home where it was easy because of the environment to decide to say yes to Jesus, but almost 50 years, yet there are moments where that hallelujah seems to slip right out of my hands. So how do I hold on to that? How do I embrace that? How do I stay with that? And I think it really comes down to this idea of, of making good daily choices. You know, there's the big choices in life, but it seems to me that we make those big choices out of the little choices. So when there's a lot of good, healthy, little choices, when it comes to those big, all-encompassing, it seems like life huge changes, choices, we're able to do that a little bit better. And Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, his personal journal towards the end of his life, uh, he has two other books, uh, uh, he has... Um, Proverbs, middle-aged and uh, thinking about life, and then young love, Song of Solomon. But as he, he's thinking about these things, he realizes that making healthy choices is, is so important. And all of us are in those situations where all of a sudden we're involved, and it might be a little choice, it might be a large choice, but most of the time it's, it's a little choice. And there's this instant thought in our mind, is this really a good idea? And uh, these guys demonstrate that over and over again. Is this really a good 
idea. Kept waiting for the tree to come down, the rope to break, and it didn't. But, you know, there's those moments where you go, I think this is a bad idea. And we all have those. And we practice instead of wisdom, we practice wisdom. And we get stuck. I have one more of these for you, and I can't believe this unfolds this way. I don't think I could ever get Cindy to do this. Um, I don't think I would, would ask Cindy to do this, but uh, some brave husband out there decides to do this with his new autopilot car. Watch this. My wife is going to help me do this test. Autopilot is turned on. She's walking. Okay. It's brakes. So it did, it, it, it did break, but it was beeping as well. It was like kind of a, like a late emergency break, but it did. Yeah. It, it, was it too close? No, not really. So, let's see what's gonna happen. Oh. Okay, autopilot is enabled. Ah. No. Okay, it emergency braked and it didn't hit her. <laughs> oh boy, I would have thought there was something going on there, like paid up insurance policy or something along like that, but somehow she was into it. If you watch the whole video, she's just, she's cool with this. She goes, how about if I turn sideways and all this kind of stuff to see if it picks her up. But uh, so the whole issue this morning is this idea of wisdom versus wisdom. And a few years ago, we actually did a whole series on this as we walked through Proverbs, but this idea of wisdom versus wisdom. And really we see wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Fools on the road have no sense of direction. The way they walk tells the story. There goes a fool again. And this may seem like real strong language, 
But as we start to unpack this, you're going to see that, that this is really accurate. Wise thinking leads to right living. Sometimes there's someone in our life that we really admire, and we say, wow, life is unfolding for them in wicked, awesome, fantastic ways. And if we took a look at their life, we would see that a lot of it is wise thinking has led to this, and it's to this right living. On the flip side, we've seen someone who just kind of keeps hitting into things all the time. And it's, there's a lack of wisdom. It's wisdom, and they have no sense of direction, and they kind of just continually just fall into it or step into it. It's, just, it's continually there, and the way they walk tells the story. Now, as we've read through this whole book, as we've walked away, we see that there's definitely the unfairness of life. There's definitely the person that does, in a sense, not things perfectly, but is on the right path, and things seem to just should line up, and it's disaster. We've talked about that in past messages. But the reality is, is that where we're moving, what direction we're traveling, does eventually show up in our lives. As I was thinking about this, and this isn't in your notes, I had this idea that a fool is not someone who doesn't have the knowledge part of wisdom. It's someone whose knowledge has knowledge but chooses not to use it. And if you go back and look at the word fool, it is not someone who has limited capacity. It's someone who knows the right steps to take yet refuses to take them. And sometimes that's in a spur-of-the-moment decision. Sometimes that's in their plans. Whatever it is, they have the knowledge. They have the idea. They know what will accomplish what. If you do this, this usually happens. They know the principles, but they tend not to lean into those principles. Maybe life gets a little bit hard. Maybe there's a little pushback. And they have the knowledge, but they choose not to use it. We could say it another way, and this way is that a wise person understands that life is connected. They understand that it's connected. What you do can predict what's going to happen in the future. I love Proverbs 27, 12, and this is out of the extended Bible. And you see what they do is they, when there's one word and it could have three or four different words, sometimes they add that other word in there so to show you when they're translating it from the original language. The wise also means the idea of prudent, so it could go either way. So they add that in there so you can see it. The wise, prudent, see danger, evil, trouble, ahead and avoid it. But fools keep going go straight to it, and get into trouble or are punished. You see, they, they see the danger. They, they can see it. They can, they can, in a sense, almost predict it, and yet they don't avoid it. They keep going right into it, and they find themselves in all kinds of trouble. Now, my next statement you're not going to really appreciate because I don't really appreciate it. I, I wouldn't want someone to say it to me, but it's, it's honest, it's genuine, it's, it's real. I can remember my father uh, saying this to me a lot, especially when I was growing up, different way, but saying this kind of same thing, and this is it, is that life is much more predictable than we want to acknowledge. Life is much more predictable than we want to acknowledge. Think about your financial condition, the way you spend your money, the way you don't spend the money, the way you save money. 
much more predictable. Think about your relationships. Much more predictable. A lot of us in scenarios have a little gut feeling and we kind of try to push it out of our decision-making process and go do something else. Uh, you know, again, I'm getting a little older here, but, uh, you know, once a couple or an individual comes in and starts talking to me about some things they're wrestling with, not because I'm any smart guy, but I've just seen it time and time again, I can sometimes say, and I try not to be, you know, arrogant or like a know-it-all, but I say, Stop me if I'm wrong. Stop me if I'm reading things wrong. But you're, this is happening, and you're feeling this, and you may go here. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's not because I'm a smart guy. I, I've, just, I've just watched this scenario unfold over and over again. I've been on the bad side of that. I've ignored it and watched it unravel. But life is a lot more predictable. Yes, there's all these other things, but it's a predictable. I, I, can, I could, if a student came in here and great, school is over, no more thinking for the summer, right? Uh-huh. But school is over, and uh, you know, if you were talking to me before a, a big test or whatever, and uh, you said to me, you know, I haven't really studied, and I'm kind of hoping I can just wing it through, you know, I, I, I could say, well, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Unless you're Einstein, you're probably going to have troubles with the results of your test. That's, that's no great wisdom. It's just very predictable. And as adults, especially as we've had all these scenarios unfold, we can predict things all the time. And a lot of times you have that little gut feeling, and then you kind of go again. You go, I think this is a bad idea, but I'm going to see if I'm the exception of the rule. Bad idea. Having your wife out in front of your car to test to see if your autopilot works. Someone I was, we were showing this, Greg Elling said to me, yeah, that's where you get one of those cutout things and stick it in the middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, that could, that, you know, because the other could end very uh, badly. And all of us have seen those situations, those guys on the, on the tire swing, we're just waiting. The guy with the gasoline, on and on and on. Those are extreme examples, but even now in your life, if you look at where you're at right now, and you look where you kind of want to go, if you really slowed down and thought about it, you could predict much more of your outcomes than you think. But what happens to most of us, we get there, we get to the undesired destination, and we're like, ooh, how'd this happen to me? Where it kind of didn't just happen to you, you were on that road. I was on that road. Wisdom lives as if life is disconnected. Disconnected. Like if I do this, if I act this way, if I make these kinds of little decisions, these kinds of big decisions, whatever they are, I'm going to kind of end up over here. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But wisdom, the foolish person, lives as, li as like life is disconnected. Paul talks about this kind of idea when he says, what a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. What you plant is what you get. No more complex than that. I love telling this story to you folks about the time my dad had this composting thing. 
And he kept it like on the side of the uh, kitchen sink. And my mother really didn't like it because it was kind of gross in there. He had to like, you know, keep this pot in there. And he just loved emptying it and sticking it out, you know, in this, this composting pile where he kept his leaves and great worms for the garden. You know, I, I can remember him saying all this stuff. He really didn't like it. Well, well, one year, uh, there was all these pumpkins, and he put the pumpkin thing in there, and, and out, to the, out to the composting it went. And then the next year, he was trying to do something with his front lawn, so he thought, wow, I'll take all that composting stuff and put it all over the front lawn. Healthy, composted worms, the whole nine yards. Well, to his surprise, to our surprise, all of a sudden there were pumpkins growing all over the front lawn. And my dad thought it was the coolest thing. My mother, not so much. I remember my dad would like mow around them and they, you know, just look. And we lived in a development, so just really my mother was embarrassed and wasn't that cool about this whole thing about having pumpkins on the front of her lawn. Then my dad had the idea, we should have the whole garden on the front lawn because it gets the best sun. The garden in the back doesn't. Mother wasn't going for that. So, but anyway, but the idea is that's what happens. It's not rocket science. The road I'm always uh, I'm on always determines where I end up. It's as simple as that. And that statement isn't designed to make us feel bad. That statement is designed to give us hope. To to say, wow. The course of my life, with God's help, can go in a different direction. I can actually end up somewhere else. Because if I get on this road and go in this direction, I will be moving closer to it. And, and if normal things work out the way most of the time normal things work out, I will get there. Some of you working hard in school. Some of you working hard at your job. Some of you doing whatever you're doing with your family life. You're staying on that road. It's hard, but you're going to get there. Your direction determines where you end up. Then there's other of us who think that doesn't happen. We think at the last minute we're going to be able to make a U-turn and end up somewhere else. It just doesn't work there. You know, the question is this idea of wisdom or wisdom. And as we look through chapter 10, we're going to see, again, just some, it seems like random thoughts, but random ideas, and they all have this idea that we know this stuff, we have a lot of this knowledge, not that it's going to be a big surprise to most of us, but where, where we fall short is we don't slow enough to take inventory to figure out, are we actually traveling in the direction for our desired outcome? Um, so, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4, that's page 466. In the Bible, you'll find around you, the verses will be up on the screen. As we say always, if you don't have a paper copy of the Bible, you can take that gift as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, I really love the Bible U version. Download it to your smart device, and you can have all kinds of different translations wherever your smart device is, wherever your phone is, and those kinds of things. So, so the first one we're going to see in verse uh, 4 is this reaction. Reaction. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Most of us know that. Soft word. 
changes the situation. Heard a story of a police officer that was very successful, and one of the things he said he always did when interacting with someone, with engaging someone, especially when they were kind of outside the lines, is he would use a softer voice than they spoke to him with. And he found that most of the time that de-escalated everything. Calmness. Remember, Cindy, another verse would uh, be always doing this with the girls. They would be learn this verse and, and, and hold on to this when they were growing up, this idea of calmness, your reaction. And so th that's a choice. Wisdom or wisdom. In your talk it over, growing deeper section on the corner there, the, the question is, is how, how would you grade yourself on your reactions? Do you react or do you respond? And some of us are obviously volcano reactors, and some of us still are reactors, but we keep it all inside. So just because on the outside you might keep it together, is there a really a calmness in your heart? Are you passive-aggressive, or does it show up that way? I don't know. You have to know that yourself. So the choice for all of us is our, what is our reaction to things? And in this situation, you know, if you, if you react to someone's anger, someone's unreasonableness, then without calmness, it escalates. The other way, it, it dissipates. Now, it doesn't mean you should be a, a doormat. It doesn't mean any of those kinds of things. Not an enabler, but if we respond, instead of have these great reactions, things get better. I challenge you, try it for a couple weeks and see what happens. Try it. The next time someone just is unkind to you, a little nasty to you, and you give them a calm response, even though they deserve a mean volcano response, they deserve it. They, they you know, they, they poke the bear and they're going to get the mama bear, whatever. You, you know, whatever that is, they deserve it. Try calmness. See what happens. Principle, not always, but the principle is things will get better. For you, for those around you, and here we're talking about a ruler, we could talk about a boss, we could talk about someone in authority over us, whoever that person is, maybe it gets better for them. Maybe one of your roles is to help your authority in your life be the best authority person, boss kind of person that they, they could be. So you, you try to move in that direction. Another area of wisdom versus wisdom is this idea of playing favorites. Playing favorites. Verse 5 we read, there is an evil, I've seen it under the sun. Again, this under the sun theme over and over again. The sort of error that arises from a ruler, and we could say again, someone in power over us, someone who has authority over us, someone who's supervising us, someone in charge. This can, we can apply this to a parent. We can apply this to whatever. You, you fill in the blank there. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. And now that rich doesn't, is not a playing off rich. It's the idea of successful. So someone is assumed if they're, they're well off, they've been successful. So the fool is put in a high position over someone who is successful, has understanding, all those kinds of things. 
while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. In other words, there's a favorite thing going on here. It's not being played out because the other person has uh, a reason to be lifted up into a position or whatever, and this is going on. And, and we have to see that that's dumb. That's wisdom. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we play favorites? Do we elevate lift up the person that's our favorite? Is there someone that we're predisposed to like more than another person? And so we kind of do that. Why do we do that? Some of us have, been, have experienced that. Some of us goes back to the next one, reaction. We feel like we're a victim of someone playing favorites in our life. We should have gotten this. We should have, this should have happened. We should have been elevated. We actually had the plan that, that pulled everything together. We saw that last week. Uh, the poor, wise man in the city saves the city and doesn't get acknowledged for it. He gets forgotten. But we have to ask ourselves, uh, yes, there's those injustices. We need to be aware of that. But where do we play into that? Are we one of those place people that shows favor? If, there, if there's someone out there that... Uh, that, uh, you, you know, should deserve our attention just because they're a human being, then we should give them a human being, even if, they, even if it's hard to do that. Do we play favorites? Also comes into this idea of risks. Do we really count the cost? Do we really size something up? Now, some people do analysis paralysis, so it just is a stall to doing anything, we're not talking that, but, but do you really count the cost? It's funny. We're either on one side or the other most of the time, right? We're either an analysis paralysis person or we take risks without even looking. We jump without looking kind of thing. But there needs to be some kind of balance in there. And, and how do we do this? And I don't know if you saw this uh, little video clip this week. Uh, there's no sound to this, so don't take the sound. I, I probably took the sound out because the language was atrocious. But uh, anyway, but uh, watch what these people experience. And I, I'm not sure if they counted the risk or they did count the risk the way they operated this piece of machinery when it comes to the shed. So I've got to move this shed. Some of you are going to be freaked out by this. It's not around here, thankfully. And look what they find under there. Dozens and dozens of snakes. Yeah, aren't they, isn't it good that they didn't get like 10 of their best buddies to grab a corner of that thread and just lift it up, huh? They would have been a big surprise. Do you and I size up the things that are happening in our lives? Or do we get blindsided? Not because it just got blindsided, because we just really didn't size up the risks. Solomon says it this way. Whoever digs a pit may follow into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. In other words, do you really see what is going on? Do you understand that? Are you looking at that? Are you understanding what is going on? And are you looking at uh, those areas to make sure that, that you're okay with that? Um, do you really weigh the cost? Um, some of us just do it. 
And that reminds me of this uh, little story, and I'm, I'm going to show this little clip. And when I show this little clip, it's not for the clip's sake, but it's because somebody else watched this clip and did this themselves. So don't do this. suspension, cop shocks. It was a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run good on regular gas. What do you say? Is it the new Bluesmobile or what? Fix the cigarette lighter. There's a couple things going on there. They actually, there's an account that May 24th of this year, a 23-year-old and a 32-year-old Texas men decided they were bored on a Friday night, and they did that. They, did, they actually did not make it. There's a, there's a site where you can go find these. It's called the Darwin Awards for people who have not evolved. And so, but, uh, so, so the idea is, do, do you really look at those risks? Do you really look at those risks? And you see them, and, and they're, they're living with risks. There's the whole health risk at the end, okay? I left that in there on purpose. There's something to that. Some of us live like that's not a risk. We could put something else in its place and say it's not a risk, but there are risks. But do you really size up the risks in your life? And if somebody else does it and makes it, do you all of a sudden become wise and go, that was just an exception to that? Or do you practice wisdom and try it for yourself? There's always one person out there that gets away with it, that takes the risk and it doesn't, and it goes fine. Wisdom or wisdom. Also kind of going along with these ideas is this idea of preparation, the idea of working smarter than harder. Verse 10 out of the message says it this way, remember the duller acts, the harder the work. Use your head. The more brains, the less muscle. The idea is some of us are just bent on not working smarter. And Solomon says that's not wise. Work smarter. Work smarter. Sharpen the axe. Don't use a dull axe. And there's so many personal applications where you can, I can look at life and say, man, I'm working harder, but not smarter. Some of the things going on in our life, some of the exhaustion is because we're working harder, not smarter. And he says, you and I have the choice. How would you evaluate yourself on that? This isn't taking shortcuts. This isn't cheating. This is working smarter. 
Same kind of idea. We don't have time to go into this whole thing about if a snake bites before it's charmed, the charmer receives no fee. There's a whole background about that. But uh, next one I want to get into is this idea of words. Words. How do we use our words? Because the reality is once they're out, just like toothpaste out of a tube, you can't get them back in. So it made me think of this guy. I'm always putting my foot in my mouth, too. I met this woman recently. I could have sworn she was pregnant. <laughs> you weren't all there to help me. <laughs> I think the rule is don't guess at that ever, 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 ever. But I didn't have enough evers memorized. So I said, hey, when's that baby dude? You ever feel the word coming up? Right about here, you get like a little red alert feeling. No. And it comes out and louder for some reason. Hey, when's that baby dude? What baby? Our words. And remember, it doesn't seem like our words come from thinking, but a lot of our words, most of our words, do come from our heart. That doesn't just kind of happen sometimes, but most of the time it's because it's something deep within us. Solomon writes, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious. Are your words gracious? Or are they cutting? Are they gracious when on human terms you might be justified to come back and let them have it and put them in their place? Psalm says, no, your words ought to be gracious. But fools are consumed by their own lips. Ever been consumed by what you've said? And now you gotta get out of it. Now you gotta make peace with it. Now you gotta fix it. Now you gotta like do all this stuff. And you're consumed by you're consumed by the horror that you said it. Now they remember it. You can't say I was just joking, because they know you weren't, and you're consumed with it. Your relationship is consumed with it. Some of us have actually lost good relationships or okay relationships because of what we said. And if you told another friend, not, not to gossip, but you told another friend just to size up what did I do wrong here, sometimes they'll even sign off on it. Well, they should have expected you to say that. But no, your, your, word was not, your words weren't sprinkled with grace. Wisdom, wisdom. Boy, as a parent, three daughters, man, I still am trying to learn this. Gracious, gracious, gracious words. I don't want to be consumed by the foolishness of my lips. 
need to change that, grow in that. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. And fools multiply words because you keep trying to dig yourself out and you just dig deeper and deeper. No one knows what's coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? It's mess, and sometimes it's when you're predicting the future in their life, even though you can see where they're going, there's this part where there are pieces where you really don't know, and the best thing to do is to keep your mouth shut. I love what uh, Calvin Coolidge said. He said this, I've noticed that, noth- that nothing I never said ever did me any harm. I can't even say it. I noticed that nothing I never said ever did me any harm. What your mom say, what your dad say. Yeah, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all, Right? Right. Even when they are there to defend themselves. <laughs> Jesus says this. Take these words seriously of Jesus. Even if you're not a Christ follower, there's some major implications to this. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. You may even can think of some situations. There will be a time of reckoning, accounting. That's an accounting term. All those words, somehow there's some ledger system. And it will be, hey, these words, these words were not good words. Other translations say careless or idle words. Words are powerful. Take them Seriously, if more people did this, I could work probably 10 hours less a week at the other churches I was at. Not this one, of course, but at the other churches. Seriously, I I could work 10 hours, 15 hours less a week because people don't take their words seriously. It's wisdom instead of wisdom. They just don't do that. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's not a respecter of age. Sometimes it's older, more seasoned Christ followers that are the worst at this. And that breaks my heart and breaks the heart of newer Christ followers, younger people. And it greatly, greatly disturbed me. Some of you older folks in here can remember 20, 30, 40 years ago, someone said something and they were not serious with their words and you still fight the wounds of those words. And if you can't get over the wounds of those words because they still hurt, at least don't do that to somebody else. You should be the best at guarding your words. Because you personally have felt the hurt and the crush of them. Take your words, my words, seriously. Exhaustion kind of goes along with that. The toil of the fool, the person who knows wisdom, doesn't do it, wearies them. They do not know their way home, I, to town, to home. To, to, I, I want to think about that being the idea they don't know rest. 
And all of us, no matter how we've learned these lessons, can think of those times where our, our mouth, our actions got us into trouble, and it just we, we can't dig our way out, and we're just exhausted, and we never seem to get to home, to town. We're lost. Wisdom versus wisdom. Also, there's the idea of limitations or limits. Woe to the king who was a servant. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. That means they've been feasting all night long, drinking, crazy stuff going on, carousing. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth, whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Knowing our limits. Knowing our limits the way we use the resources that have been entrusted to our care. Knowing how far to go. And what's amazing is it's not cookie cutter. Everybody has different limits. And if you have somebody who has farther limits than you, don't use them as the measure for your limits. Vice versa. When it's done the other way, it's legalism. When it's done the other way, it's craziness. You need to walk with God. We need to walk with God and know what our limits are and use them wisely. The person who spends every dollar they get, no limits. The person who saves every dollar they get and never has any fun, no fun. <laughs> know your limits. Could be applied to food, could be applied to everything out there. Know your limits. And when we have leaders in place over us and they don't know their limits, they don't only shipwreck their own life, they affect your life and my life. Knowing our limits. Also going along with this is the idea of time. Using time wisely. One thing we can never get back. There's no do-overs. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. Uh, there's a website called despair.com. I sometimes have fun looking at the slides they put together. You know those motivational uh, posters, frame things you see in offices every once in a while, and you go, ah, you know, they've out there. Well, they go the other way. This is despair.com. So here's one on procrastination. Hard work often pays off after time, but laziness always pays off now. <laughs> That's not true, by the way. <laughs> Partially not true, but you know what I'm saying. So use our time. Wisdom versus wisdom. Goes in this whole idea of money. It's a unique phrase. It's very hard to translate, they said. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. And money is the answer for everything. What in the world does that mean? I'm going to give you the shortcut. If we don't have enough money for food and wine, then life lacks some of the basic pleasures. Just use your resources well. We've talked about that in previous sermons, how to, how to enjoy life. Use it well. Use what we have. Enjoy our meals. We talked about that just previously. That's one reason in your um, bulletin program you're going to see on one of the things we're going to be offering in um, August uh, we're going to be offering this. It's called uh, Navigating Later Years, Moving from Fear to Hope. And it's all about setting things in motion 
for your finances, for end-of-life stuff, and the time to do it is now. And so this guy's going to come out and talk to us for an hour and answer your questions. I think basically what he's going to do is he's going to put a lot of options on the table. Uh, do, you, do you have a will? Do you have, uh, I can't even remember the exact terminology for it, but do you have a do not resuscitate? All those kinds of things. Have you figured all that out? I remember I had a friend who had to make that call for his mom. His father wouldn't make it. His sister wouldn't make it. They all wanted him to say, it's time to let her go. Then when he did it, they all got on his case that, they, that, that his, the son had, had killed their mom. And, it, and, it, and this happens all over the place. See, I can predict your future. You don't take care of those things. You're, you're, you're moving in that direction. So take advantage of this. Also, the idea of truth. Try trouble sometimes trying to come up with a one-word description, but truth. In verse 20, we read this. Don't badmouth your leaders, not even under your breath, and don't abuse your betters, even in the privacy of your home. Loose talk has a way of getting picked up and spread around. Little birds, drop the crumbs of your gossip far and wide. This doesn't mean you put up with poor leadership. But what you say, you got to be prepared that what you say in secret someday will come to light. So know what you say. Don't use careless words. Don't dig yourself in a hole. It will come to light someday. We need to understand that. We need to, to realize that. We need to stay away from that. A lot of damage has been done. And a lot of damage to the person that even said that. Even when it's true, be aware of it. Be ready for it. Understand this. Came across this little illustration of gossip, and I thought it was pretty powerful. There once was a girl named Rachel who loved to talk, and she also liked to gossip. One day, she was gossiping about her friend Jacob behind his back. She talked to one person who talked to two people, and all of a sudden, everyone was gossiping about Jacob. They were even talking about him online. A few days later, Rachel saw Jacob and thought, Jacob isn't talking to me because I gossiped behind his back, but what can I do? Rachel decided to go to her rabbi and asked, Rabbi, how do I make things better with Jacob? The rabbi said, Go get a feather pillow, cut a slit in the pillow, then bring it back to me. So Rachel went home, got a pillow, and cut a slit in the side. Immediately, feathers started falling out. She carried the pillow from her house back to the rabbi. But as she walked, feathers kept falling out. They even flew up into the sky. Rachel asked the rabbi, what do I do now? And the rabbi said, now collect all of the feathers that fell out of the pillow on the way here. Rachel was nervous. I can't do that, she yelled. They all flew away. And the rabbi said, just like you can't pick up the feathers you dropped, you can't take back the words you say when you gossip. And I want to even add a little bit more to this idea of gossip. Gossip is not just stuff that's not true. Gossip is sharing damaging information about someone or something with another person who is not part of the solution. Gossip reflects an unloving spirit. 
And those of us who are Christ followers think love is a pretty big one up on the top of the list. Gossip. Watch out for it. Now, all the areas we've talked about, you could really dive into deeper. Uh, I I want you to think about this. Uh, We have this now thing called Right Now Media. Uh, If you get signed up for it, it's very easy. It's included there in your program how to do that. All you need to do is you get signed up for it. Then you go to this front page. Then you click on this little icon that says Seneca Community Church. And then we have some of our own channels, some of uh, some things I've recommended for you to watch and ponder a little bit more if you're interested. And you go to that, and there it is. And there's all kinds of little 15-minute, 20-minute, 10-minute clips. And you can take advantage of that. So I would really encourage you uh, to, to do that. You just circle on the one you want. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, So be careful how you live. Be mindful of your steps. Don't run around like idiots as the rest of the world does. Instead, walk as the wise. Make the most of every living and breathing moment because these are desperate times. So understand and be confident in God's will and don't live thoughtfully, thoughtlessness memorize that our bottom line i know some of you are frantically trying to fill in the blanks for this uh, it will be up online sorry to do that to you uh, bottom line is this we make our decisions and then our decisions make us wisdom over wisdom would you pray with me heavenly father we just uh, thank you for the practicality of solomon's words to us we thank you that you inspired him to write these in his journal I would ask that each one of us here would get a grasp on that and we'd find ourselves traveling in a direction that's more wisdom than wisdom. Lord, all of us have areas in this that we can grow in. I pray if there's anyone here that has not said yes to you, does not have a relationship with you, we pray that they would check out some of those resources or stop by and and talk with one of us and we could at least begin a conversation that speaks into what it means to know you and be able to walk with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.